No subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Coming at you here, uh, our fourth week in a row with the uh, coronavirus crisis special report. Uh, and I will not lie, folks, morale is down here in America. Uh, things are things are getting grim. Tyler and I were talking about this before we came on the air uh, that it's um, unnerving because a lot of the things we were worried about have now come to fruition, and um, we are sort of uh, entering into, you know, we just sort of we just sort of imagined it to about this point and didn't dare think beyond it, and now we're we're all kind of collectively at that point, and so it's uh, it's stressful, it's stressful, man. Um, I'm feeling stressed, and sometimes I'm scared. I'm not afraid to admit it. You know, sometimes I'm scared. This is uh, this is getting pretty. Pretty uh, troubling, but uh, I kind of dragged my feet about tonight's show, but we we wanted to do it one more time at least, and, you know, we'll see how it goes, because part of me is like, <laughs> uh, as, I, as I said to Tyler at the start of the, uh, when we started talking before the show, uh, I feel that there was sort of an urgency to do this when we first started, to try and sound the alarm, and, and um, you know, we weren't even particularly early to that. Um, but to warn people that this was definitely legitimately uh, a serious thing. And, and now, as I said, it, it, <laughs> I don't think we have to tell anyone anymore that this is serious. Uh, it's clearly serious. Um, so here, uh, Tyler, I talked enough here. Uh, he, is, he is the Carol Baskin to my, to my Joe Exotic. Does that ring a bell to you at all? Not at all. What are you talking about? Wow. You've got to watch Tiger <laughs> King on uh, Netflix. You'll love it. Uh, Tyler Coke, John, welcome back, buddy. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for do, you know, it's you, you and I are us. You're the co-host, man, at this point. So thanks for thanks for coming <laughs> coming back again, brother. Yeah, uh, I wish it was under um, circumstances that were more fun, but here we are. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of like I said. I was dragging my feet, and you were saying it's like you know, what what's what's the end game here, you know, um, but. We'll see, you know. It's uh, it's pretty wild. And, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it to folks. Did you – you said you hadn't looked at the numbers at all today? No, I was uh, actually putting together tests. Our school is still in session um, wow. electronically. So I was trying to nice. finish up uh, an exam. 
Yeah, yeah. All we right. got to get the, the students need to be graduated so they can uh, get out there and, and participate. Um, you know, we're about six weeks away from uh, their graduation, so yeah. almost there, but there's still still a lot of work to do. You got to put them into shape, right? Yeah. Well, they gotta. There's certain things they gotta know before they go, and and uh, boy, is it critical now. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I can only imagine that must be yeah. kind of weird. Um. All right, so I'll yeah I'll give you the uh, the. Uh, the grim stats here from where we were. Uh, so last week, this is how frightening this is. It's gotten the, the curve has picked up quite a bit. Uh, we are at 104,000 cases here in America, and today we are at approximately 277,000. So we've almost, uh, I don't know what you'd call that, tripled almost. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't there's nothing to laugh about. I don't know what the hell to say. I don't know what to say to that. Um, you know, it's terrifying. Uh, and I said to you last week, I was like, well, it's not because it had gone from 1,000 to 10,000 10, to a million. And I was like, well, uh, no, 1,000 to 10,000 to 100,000, excuse me. And I said to you, I was like, well, it's not going to go to a million uh, next week. And you said largely because they probably wouldn't even have enough tests to do it. But still, I mean – you know, we're past a quarter of a million at this point, so it's, yeah. you know, and and it seems like it's going strong. And the what really worried me has been happening, um, and that is that the death rate has picked up, like, exponentially, um, where it was sort of climbing by 100 each, each day after we did the show last week, um, to the point where about a couple of days ago it kind of crossed this this threshold like of a thousand. Now, uh, you know, it's been hovering around a thousand for like the last three days. Today it was thirteen hundred, which is like, you know, I was worried about what people would do when people started dying in the hundreds, and now it's like people, you know, next week, you know, it looks like uh, it's gonna people are gonna be dying in the thousands. It's a fucking yeah. nightmare, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean. It's absolutely no, sta- right. it's staggering. It's really staggering. Um, you know, it really, really is. So that's Good where we're at. That- about se- about seven thousand five hundred deaths, roughly. So seven three nine two. So just rounded up on that. But yeah, seven thousand three hundred ninety two deaths uh, here in America as of uh, tonight, uh, April fourth. Now go ahead, Tyler. Those are, those are the numbers as uh, from the front lines. Well, the thing to do um, keep in mind about the number of deaths is that it will lag behind the uh, basically the total number of COVID cases diagnosed by a couple of weeks. It's, people are going to be sick for a few weeks before they, on the average, begin to become seriously ill and expire. And so those numbers may yet sweep up the deaths, and the rate uh, actually expand quite a bit. So yeah. we still, at, at this point... Uh, we know that there's a lot of cases out there, but we actually really don't have a very clear idea of how many. And, and one problem is that, that so many uh, patients are uh, either mildly infected uh, or uh, perhaps a quarter are uh, asymptomatic. Now, those people yeah. apparently can still release virus. This has become the, the big thing. But what the actual scope of the uh, true pandemic is, is, is yet to be determined. And it will yeah. probably only be clarified 
when they follow one of your suggestions, which is to do the, uh, the antibody test. The other, other thing to watch out for uh, is that New York is heavily hit. The tri-state mm-hmm. area is heavily hit, the East Coast. You may see um, that peak um, next week or 10 days or so, and then a drop yeah. down. And that, that is not necessarily going to be signal of the end. We've got a number of different sort of sub-epicenters out there, and they will start yeah. to come forward. Uh, it just exactly what Governor Cuomo has been talking about is, you know, hey, help us now, and, you know, we'll move the resources around and help you later. Uh, there, there's a, a rationale for that. But uh, yeah. we're in for a long, terrible haul. And, and you know, it's, I'm not going to kid you. It's going to be a long time. We're going to be all very fed up with this and probably very afraid by the time it's over. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, you know, it's it's this sort of macabre macabre observation in a sense where it was like, I think people are almost in a sense becoming numb to things too, uh, yeah. just because the numbers kind of slowly creep up. It's only when they really hit milestones where it's like, oh shit! Like as of this week, now a million people around the world have are, you know have been diagnosed with this thing. So yeah, that we know of. Yeah, so, of course. Uh, that's what I mean. You know. What may what may actually really start to freak people out is this recommendation that uh, came out today that when you're in public to wear uh, a cloth mask, not the yeah. not the uh, surgical masks or the, the what is it N85 that they use uh, for yeah. the professionals, but a cloth mask. And as people are are using that, I mean it's it's a very good idea. It may help. Uh, even more than just uh, physical distancing to uh, break the chain of transmission. Uh, but I think it'll become a visible sign of, geez, this is not good, as more people yeah. uh, start to to uh, conform to that idea. So if you couldn't see it before, you'll be able to see that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's certainly worrisome. You know, you hope that we're on the on the, you know, on the right path, I guess. You don't really know until you know, right? Uh, well, a lot of this, yeah. we're still finding out. That's the, I'm still terrified about the fact that we're, like, still finding out shit about this that we don't, um, you know, that we don't, that we didn't know, you know? Like, all of a sudden Every now they're day. like, eh, you probably should wear a mask after all. It's like, oh, shit, Exactly. What? Exactly, yes. Uh, and you're right. Every day... Uh, we find out a little bit more, and I think people have come to the recognition that asymptomatic cases are probably prevalent and possibly spreading. And, uh, of course, that person yeah. wouldn't have any idea that anything's wrong. So, uh, mm-hmm. yes, every day we learn more. Well, yeah, I was a little irritated with the uh, – go- well, m- more than a little, but uh, irritated with the governor of Georgia when he said that they he, that they just found out. The, the day before that asymptomatic people could spread it, where it was like, dude, you know, everybody, like, everybody, everybody knew that, you know. I mean, we knew that for like three weeks. Well, it's it's conceivable that they hadn't phrased it in, in quite that way to him, you know, about asymptomatic and we need masks or whatnot. Uh, we'll have to yeah. give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, <laughs> Do but, we have to? Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> But you also have to recognize that that also, the, even the authorities, because this is so new, 
Uh, some of it is, is reasonable best guess, and some of those guesses may not turn out. And, and so they may say one thing one week and then have to reverse it. This is just the, the beast that we're fighting. Right, right. Well, I saw kind of an assessment like that, uh, uh, not to absolve the, the Chinese, but people were saying, you know, cause we talked about it last week about, like, how people are suspicious of the numbers. How I'm suspicious of the numbers. Um, <laughs> but the reasoning I heard in one sense was, like, they don't know what the hell – it's kind of like the old, like, oh, the government knows something about UFOs. Like, well, what if they don't know anything and they don't want to tell like, like they don't want to tell us they don't know anything? Or it's, maybe it's just like, maybe they boxed it really badly and they're, and they're like, we don't want you to know. Like, you think what's going on in America is bad? You should see what's really going on here. It's really fucking bad. You know what I mean? Maybe it's, uh, oh, yeah. you know, maybe it's yeah. then they can't get a handle on it, so they're like, oh shit. I so it's maybe like saw, you know, just more like incompetence than than uh, or like uh, being mystified, if you will. Well, you know, uh, in terms of the numbers from China, and I think we also were were wondering about Russia a week mm-hmm. or two ago about how accurate that was. Uh, I thought I saw. I should have written it down again. The New York Times had an article about uh, how the CIA is very suspicious about the mm. actual numbers. In China, one of the things that they felt might account for that is a need for people in the lower echelons of power to report good news to those in the upper echelons. And so they artificially deflate. Ah. They don't want to report deaths. And so there's a feeling that um, maybe a lot more went on. Yeah. So actually people would really, really, really like to know if those numbers in China are trustworthy or not, because we're trying to model, we're trying to figure out what is about to impend for New York City, for example. And we base right. a lot of that on the experience that we have, much of which was based on the Chinese experience. Can we trust that? You know, can we count on that? This is the thing where everything is so provisional, and that even includes numbers that uh, you know we think are, are were originally comport, you know, comporting with the truth. Now... It's like, geez, thank you so much, you know, uh, yeah. for cooperating. It, it really, well, it's just a damn mess, is what it is. You don't yeah, know what to believe. You don't a, know what to trust. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a waking nightmare, man. It really is. You know, it's yes. uh it's you live in the now. Everything's like you're in the constant <laughs> breaking news cycle. It's very, uh, like I said earlier, it's very stressful. But I yes. said this to you before we did the show. Uh, this is some people. Some people think we're, it's a little too depressing. So I thought, you know, is there anything a silver lining to all this? And you know, one thing at least for me was you connect with people. You know, it kind of gives you the inspiration to call up people you haven't talked to in a long time, reconnect with people. That's kind of a nice yeah byproduct of this. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, I'm just typing like mad today, test questions. So I haven't, uh, haven't come out of the work cycle yet. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, we're going to have new things happen. And, and one of the things that's liable to happen for us academically is we've been forced to adopt electronic communication measures that we never had before, such as Zoom yeah. and other measures to deliver instruction. And, and one of the really yeah. powerful things about that 
for the future is that when we talk to our students or try to educate our students about this event, through Zoom, we could contact some of the, the biggest experts on the planet to come in and lecture to our students that day. And, and you know, we could, we could actually you know, get a meeting of the minds that, that we never really thought about before. And suddenly yeah. now we're kind of seeing how to do this. So, I mean, that, that might be a real benefit is broadening uh, how we go about the process of education, at least in, in medical school. Uh, you know, yeah. But I'm sure other people would, would have uh, similar experiences as they're trying to deliver lessons electronically. It's a pain, you know. I mean, Zoom uh, has its own little quirks. Uh, yeah, not I've never used it. Them, I might use it later in the month, yeah. It's uh, it's okay. It, it's fairly simple, but uh, it's not particularly secure, so you have to watch out. But th those can be improved. Those situations can be managed. Yeah. Interesting. So you, have you picked up a hobby? Have you learned to play piano? You know, have you uh, – <laughs> I don't know what uh, – you know, have you made any? You don't. Do you? You see, so you're not like me either. Well, you're like me in a sense where I haven't really benefited from any additional downtime from from this. Not like it's much of a benefit, but you know, that's the spin. That's sort of the spin of positivity to try and yeah. put on this. Is that this is your chance, right? You're, write your great American novel now. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's Absolutely. it's easy to say that to people who are, you know. It's easy to say that when you're not out of a job, so it's like I can understand right. why people are like, "Fuck, fuck your great American novel, dude! I just lost my job. Like, what do you, what do you want <laughs> yeah. me to write about?" Uh, um. <laughs> but you know, people, no, people, that's... you know, that is sort of one of the spins on this. You know, use the, use the time wisely. I guess in some sense, you spend if you're cloistered with your family, you get more time with your family that maybe you uh, wouldn't have otherwise. That's nice, I guess. Yeah, sure. I, uh, uh, since, since I'm still technically working, uh, the people at my institution actually expect me to work. So they, they, right. they expect me to be there for meetings and answer the phone. And oh, no. All you that can't, do do you do so, video meetings or do you have to go to the buildings and shit? No, no, we, we do video. Uh, and okay. So I haven't, uh, haven't gone in. I'll probably uh, – head in on Monday a little bit just to um, uh, see what, what the chair, what she's thinking about the future and um, make sure my test questions have gotten delivered properly and then we're all ready to go. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I haven't had that, that time to, to sort of uh, try something else. Um, yeah, neither have I. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, in one sense can't complain because uh, we're fortunate enough not to have uh, lost their jobs. So right, exactly. So uh, I yeah. I really don't know how people will cope with the stress. And you've got the stress of the disease, which is freaking both yeah. of us out. And then imagine on top of that the stress of of uh, not having enough money for the activities of daily living, like eating. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I was talking to somebody about that the other night, where it's like. Uh, it's not so much that we should worry about food shortages, it's that we should worry about money shortages. Or it's like, well, people can't buy yes. food, then they're going to, who the fuck knows what they're going to do, you know? Yeah, so. yeah, I agree. I agree. So, well, to sort of put things in context, I guess, in a sense, uh, 
the I thought we talked about this previously where you said uh I agree with you but it seems like they moved the, they they uh the, the the government moved the timetable a little further up in a sense where it's like you don't necessarily get what the what the story of the week is going to be on the morning shows but by usually by like Sunday night Monday morning you kind of get an idea this happened again this week where now it went from like last week it was like we got to get everybody back by Easter and now this week it was a complete 180 and all of a sudden they were dropping some really grim numbers on everybody and they were saying, you know, if only if only 200,000 people die, we did a pretty good job, which is like the most yeah. fucking asinine thing I think I've ever heard in my life, but uh you yeah. know, so that's the new yeah. narrative, uh which is which is kind of like good and in a sense where it's like, well, they ripped the fucking Band-Aid off and just told people that this is going to be really bad, which, uh, you know, most of us had kind of been under the impression of since we locked ourselves in our homes a month ago. Um, so at yeah. least they clued everybody else in, um, whether it'll take with some people. I mean, there are people there, there are going to be people that'll, they, that, will, that will die trying not to adhere to the whatever – advice and rules they throw down about this. So, yes. you know, you're not going to convince everybody. Yes. That is uh, an astonishing but true fact. And you can you can actually see that uh, probably um, in every part of the U.S. right now. I uh, don't think that's going to work out well for everyone. Uh, we, we hope we don't wish ill on anyone, but... No, of course not. Certainly would be nice if we could all get on the same page, and that includes the governors of the states. Um, one of the things that's very interesting is that the um, the projections of deaths that they put out or were talking about last week, 100,000 uh, at best, 200,000 uh, possibly. Um, that's yeah. if everything goes just right. And one of the uh, things that is factored in there is a strong – use of social distancing, sort of like California right. and Washington. And I can tell you from living here in Arizona, that is not how things are necessarily going. And our governor yeah. has been reluctant, but he has slowly instituted some of his measures, uh, but very slowly. Um, we just don't know, Tim, you know, where, where this could really end up. Um, I, I just sit there and sometimes I'm baffled at, at uh, why everybody uh, doesn't see this as, uh, as a cause for real concern and uh, um, something we should do to save lives, you know, save lives. Right, but, right. Yeah, it's uh, – yeah, it is worrisome. The only thing I can say, again, to put things in the positive is, like, there seems uh, – you know, I, I'll never – the sin of not – instituting a national lockdown for me is like unforgivable so the fact that they still haven't done that is is to me outrageous um i'll probably i'll be like one of those things that'll always <laughs> if i can make it to being old and gray i'll always be like back in 2020 if they'd done the fucking lockdown like i said um but that <laughs> that uh just really really grinds my gears um it seems like finally it's slowly happening. I'll be, we should take bets. Anyone who wants to bet who the last state will be to hold out before they, because there's only like maybe five or six more that haven't done a lockdown. So uh, both Dakotas, 
South Carolina, shockingly. I thought they were a little more progressive than that. I thought they would have realized, like, that you should probably get along with, with what's going on here. I was really surprised by that. And, like, kind of those states around the Dakotas. Uh, that's what it looked like. But the, but there's only a handful left, and I think they're kind of being almost slowly but surely, like, shamed into instituting a lockdown. So that maybe by this time next week the whole country will be in all these <laughs> all these disparate fucking lockdowns that, you know, that will probably end up being unified into one when, uh, you know, at the end of April. That would be my, my uh, you know, my puncher's puncher's guess, if you will. But, yeah. you know, so maybe we're going to circumvent the, the weak-kneed response from the federal government to institute a national lockdown by just individually, all 50 states, doing their own lockdown and then coordinating it somehow. One thing that, that um, is, is true is, is the public health sector is largely left to the states, and sometimes it's even controlled at county level. And, oh and yeah, so yeah. You don't have, you know, we don't have overarching federal control. I think we mentioned before that, that piecemeal patchwork approaches has strengths and weaknesses, and this is maybe one of the weaknesses. But I have to have to suspect that part of the reluctance is the, the quality of this situation is it's something you can't see until it's really on you. And so with, with Arizona, you know, as the number of uh, detections of COVID began to uh, ratchet up, that's when we started to see some action. Yeah. And I just wonder if other people are thinking it's well, not here, you know. Yeah. Well, I got that. Real, I mean, there's only a handful of states left, so I figure they'll get on board. But You know, the sad part is that if they had been looking at sort of the situation and information that we have, uh, clamping down sooner rather than later might actually uh, prevent a disastrous rise, sudden rise in cases. And so if you want to emulate yeah. New York, keep doing what you're doing, and you might get your, your chance. So Now, one thing that keeps me up at night, not just like the, you know, oh, shit, maybe I'll get this thing, um, is now are we sure, like, are we sure if you get it and then you recover from it, you can't get it again? Because that, that part, you know, it, it, everything seems so up in the air that I'll be kind of heartbroken, like, in a week or two if they're like, oh, it turns out you can get it just over and over and over again. Then it'll be like, well, we're fucked. Um, so do how sure are we that if you get it, you can't get it again? You know, no one can phrase it the way you can. Hey, man. Uh, I'm a radio professional, what can I say? <laughs> there, there have been some questions about that, and apparently there have been observations where some people had uh, neutralizing antibodies and then they didn't. One of the things that you have to keep in mind, for everything, for every test that we talk about, they mm-hmm. all fail sometimes. They all fail, and that includes uh, like trying to figure out if this person have antibody to a spike protein. We don't exactly know. Uh, we think that if we see a strong antibody response to the things like the spike protein that gets the cell infected, the virus uses as a receptor, blocks that up, uh, that that yeah. person should be protected. But what's interesting is with some colds, rhinovirus, structurally a little bit different. 
you get a really, really high level immunity for a couple of years after that cold, and then it drops down. Coronavirus could be kind of the same. You're, you're strong for a while, and then it'll drop down. And one little quirk about these viruses is that you need a very, very strong IgA response because it's going to try to get through the uh, respiratory mucosa. So you've got to have a lot of antibodies sitting there ready to roll. And if that drops down a little bit, the virus gets in, and all it takes with these guys is one, probably more, but one gets in, and then it just replicates exponentially. So we yeah. might be solid for a while, and then it will drop down. This is very common with a lot of um, agents that infect us, where we're good for a while, but then over time it, it falls away. Um, a lot of uh, infections that plague little kids, uh, respiratory syncytial virus, RSV, uh, whooping cough, for example, that's called yeah. a bacterium. But you get solid immunity, and then it kind of fades away. And you don't have permanent lifelong immunity, whether you get vaccinated or get the infection the natural way. So th this is kind of normal. So you're entirely right. Yeah. We could be good for a while after infection, but not forever. So right. What a lot of people don't understand. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe you can sort of speak to this, but what a lot of people don't uh, maybe may not realize, like they say it'll take like a year and a half to develop the vaccine, but we're not even sure if like, that's like a best case scenario, right? I mean, they're testing the vaccine to see if it works. So what if they finish and they're like, no, it's not for some reason, you know, whatever, it doesn't work. It's going to take a while. I would think if everything worked just right the first time, um, a year, if we're yeah. just really lucky and we blaze through it. Now, there are some thoughts about having um, alternative methods. And one of the things is, have you heard, you've heard of DARPA. We've talked about DARPA before. They've sponsored companies to come up with new ways to make people immune uh, to uh, unknown agents. And one of the things right. that they talked about is a company called Moderna. And uh, they're looking at um, uh, messenger RNA antibodies. And that's, uh, it, it's, it's got some hope. It's got some power. Uh, the quick steps are what we've done now. Uh, what you really have to do with this, uh, and it basically it's just taking virus parts, uh, messenger RNAs, and shooting them into people, uh, rendering them immune. There are a couple of different ways to, to put them in that are kind of interesting, uh, but the, um, the thing that you have to, to understand right now is that this particular method, not for SARS, not for the uh, coronavirus type 2 SARS, uh, this method has been tried for other viruses, and it yeah. has induced some antibodies. But it's slow because uh, not everybody reacts to it, uh, and these are young adults who are probably pretty, uh, pretty good at reacting to stuff you may need a booster. And so you're not, even if you get it in a year, you might not be ready for a year and a half against this virus. So even the fastest protocol may kind of fail us. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's an approach. What is being done now is a lot of different approaches being run in parallel. And that, that's a good thing. So uh, um, For the vaccine, you mean? For the vaccine, uh, for uh, immunization methods, there's a, there's a lot of different ideas. And um, no, do we know anything I, else about this drug that they prom that Trump 
promised, uh, you know, the, the fish tank cleaner. Like, uh, th- th- that was rooted in some kind of fact, I assume, uh, as small as the nugget may be. Um, okay. do, do we know anything about this weird drug concoction he was talking about? Are they working on that? Have we heard anything about that yet? I think I would have heard if we had, but, I mean, what do you know about it? Absolutely. The first thing that we know is don't use the fish tank cleaner. Please. Right. No one. That killed a guy out here. Yeah. Don't order it offline and shit. Like, just because he, yeah. Oh. Just because somebody says it online. You shouldn't, you know. Be very, very yeah. suspicious of anything you get online. Um that you're going to put, <laughs> ingest and put into your body, okay? Uh, but Absolutely, the, uh, yeah, the chloroquine, the chloroquine, and I think chloroquine combined with azithromycin is in fact being uh, looked at, has been looked at. There is a small-scale uh, study, I think, done in France, and yeah. uh, um, it's it's really hard to tell, Tim. Okay, I, I think it's really. I'm looking at that and I'm going, I don't think this is going to bring people back from the brink of death. Maybe if you got it to them earlier, but still, well, anyway, that's, um, that's kind of the thing in a sense where it's like, we need this shit now. Like, you know, and they're not, whatever this stuff is, he's talking about, like, unless, unless they can roll it out mass produced on Monday, you know, uh, or tomorrow, like thousands upon thousands of people are going to die just here in America. So, you know, you know yeah, that that's yeah. the thing. The the, right. the ball is rolling. You know, the snowball is rolling downhill, and like uh, all of our sort of plans are long term plans at this point. You're right. The thing that that people I think fail to appreciate is with a, a emerging pandemic like this, a virus we didn't know really anything about until it suddenly it appeared. We start out behind, and as it goes, we get further behind because it, it will outrace us every single time. So you're absolutely yeah. right. Let's say that, that today the mandate comes down to say, okay, drug manufacturers, make us a ton of this stuff. It still won't come in time to save many thousands of people. Uh, so if the chloroquine works, for example. Uh, it's, right. a, it's a good idea, you know, in that – it is a proven drug. Its side effects and its safety uh, sort of profile are known. Uh, so it would be great if we could uh, capitalize on that. But I'll also tell you that, uh, and a lot of people may have access because uh, these drugs have been used as anti-malarials against certain type of malaria uh, in certain areas of the world. Um, mm. I'd be really cautious because those drugs are powerful and they have some really nasty side effects of their own. So you might. Right. I wouldn't. Yeah, that's that's kind of the point. Like, don't people shouldn't be like trying to self-medicate on this. No. And the and the the problem in turn is that like by the time you know if this thing really works well and and, you know it's a partial solution to this, like we we probably won't really be able to get our hands on it. Till like, you know, a month from now, let's say. It's like they're still testing it out. They're still trying. You know, it takes time to find out if it works. Well, <laughs> the thing is, we won't. The beautiful people will. But uh, you know, saying I'm not beautiful. Gonna, well, no, that's not what I meant. But all right. Well, we yeah. got a caller actually. So let's uh, let's bring on the caller. Let's see what what's up. 
Hope maybe they'll bring a positive spin to the proceedings. Uh, mystery caller, I think calling from a Skype thing. Yes, sir. This is uh, Mike. How are you, sir? I'm well, dude. We can barely hear you. So, uh, do you have a question? I'm not going to keep you on the air for long because you're you sound like you're coming in from a tunnel or something. So. I mean, can you hear me much better now? No, not really. What's going on? Get, say what's going on, brother. For the coronavirus, you know, it, uh, it is a biological warfare. And as a result, you know, so far over one million people catch it. And we have uh, over uh, 8,000 people, uh, 80,000 people died. but. Uh, so far, the majority of death are in the United States over uh, 7,000 now. I mean, uh, I want to know that uh, why they knew that this is a worldwide event. They knew that this is a global pandemic. Uh, but why they did not took action much more sooner? This is my brother. All right. Is this a red pill junkie? What? No. Is this? Uh, I thought it was Miguel. Uh, uh, um, I'm sorry, Mike. Yeah, you identify yourself. So I, you're, I thought you were uh, RPJ. Um, why didn't why why didn't who do anything sooner? Why the government of the United States? Why the people uh, in charge? They refused to take action, and yet they did an exercise. It was uh, in 2019, and before the coronavirus even arrived in, uh, in Wuhan, China. I mean, they did that because they are not ready for any pandemic. So what happened that report? That report must be gone to some people, and why those people do not took action? And uh, yeah. so we want to know what the hell going on. Why they did, they, instead of uh, COVID-19, they pretended it's N-C-O-19. N-C-O-19 is, is imaginary by, uh, pandemic that they were exercising for. Isn't all right, that really all right. Yeah, go ahead, sir. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna let you go because I, you're, again, your sound is terrible, bro. So, but we'll uh, we'll move the conversation in that direction here. Ah, right, there you go, Tyler. You're still there, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. I didn't quite get all that. I didn't. I kind of got the gist of that, but it was really hard to. Uh, there was so much static there. Uh, was it just me, yeah. or was it that guy hard to hear? No, I I, I struggled, but I, I think I got the the gist of it that we've known. Yeah or the authorities have known about the coronavirus, this new one, since really 2019, basically the end of December, um, if not a little bit sooner. But anyway, uh, it's been known for a long time. It also was known that it was a novel virus uh, because we had the sequence right away. Uh, Why didn't we take action sooner? Now, I don't have uh, firm knowledge of what the, deliberative process was at the upper echelons, but I'm going to guess, this is a guess, that the first thing they thought is 
it's going to be similar to the SARS epidemic of 2002-2003, and that they would be able to contain this by um, the same methods uh, because they were banking on, uh, and unfortunately this was a wrong assumption, that most of the cases would show and they would be severe, and so the major um, effort would be finding those people and isolating them, and that, that's how yeah. they would bring it to heal. That didn't turn out to be the case. This is a new virus, new properties, new rules. But um, based on how they acted, and again, um, I'll point out that as late as January, uh, some scientific societies, very high-profile scientific societies, were maintaining that containment was still possible. So I'm thinking yeah, that the advisors yeah, said, yeah. yeah. We can, we can do this. You know, we find them, we contain them. You cut off travel from Hubei province and Wuhan, and we'll, we'll track these people down, and it's doable. And yeah. that turned out to be a wrong a big approach. Retrospectively, it turned out to be a, a huge mistake. Uh, but yeah, I, I yeah, think yeah. that's maybe part of the thought process is, oh, okay, yeah, this is bad, we, but we can control it. And they found out the fire was too widespread. They, they couldn't stomp it out in time. Um, but, again, this is supposition on my part. Maybe if there's a, an investigation, some of those decision-making processes will be uh, put out there and examined. Uh, but I think it was a bad confluence of several things. One is maybe assuming that it was similar to something that it turned out not to be and assuming that we could uh, get the upper hand very quickly. Yeah, I seem to recall that sort of isolation uh, thing. Kind of, I remember at first they were just like, whenever they found people who had this, they were like, figured everybody had just come from China. So it was like, oh, okay, well, they just came from China. Then all of a sudden they found somebody who had no, I think that was up in Washington, where they were like. Yes. Okay, yeah. this person, this you know, this person had no reason why they would have gotten this. Um, well, the, you know, you know if it was the quote-unquote Chinese virus. So it was like, how did this? And then all of a sudden, that, that in the, you know, the news got, uh, in, in the immortal words of my good friend Adam Go Rightly, I'm now a Twitter a Twitter virus expert. So um, <laughs> you know, so I was told by the media <laughs> that's when uh, that's when the uh, that's when things kind of got serious because they were like a communal spread. That's what I was trying. Somebody's somebody's trying yeah, to tweet me yeah. in the middle of the show. So, um, Chris Pinio, stop. Just leave me alone. Uh, yeah, but it was like communal spread was the was the big issue. Uh, and now here we are, you know. And I think I, you know, I think I remember when it was like one of the basketball players like gave an autograph to one of the kids, and uh, you know, somehow the kid got the got it from him and it was like this is now this thing that thing we talked about it was like this is everywhere now you know it's like who knows who yeah. has it and who's passing it along and it's 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 start of our nightmare pretty much yeah you know the you're you're right when they first began to look at this if you showed up with the signs and symptoms of covid maybe it was covid maybe it was uh just regular old influenza they wouldn't test you unless you met the criteria which was travel to China or direct contact with somebody who would travel to China, roughly. 
And then later yeah. on, it became very clear that they had sustained community transfer. Uh, this, this, I mean, everything has been clarified retrospectively, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. But if you look back, if you look back at our approach to testing, what they did was, and they had a lot of trouble doing, was uh, manufacture a highly sensitive and highly specific test. And I think part of their insistence on working so hard to, to have um, that kind of test or the test that would be highly specific and sensitive was a feeling that they had that there wouldn't be that many cases. And the, the reason this becomes important is that you can drive yourself mad if you're looking for a low-prevalence agent, a low-prevalence infection, with yeah. an overly sensitive test. The false positives will absolutely drive you bonkers. And so they were thinking that we've got to get this down so the false positive rate is very low and we have great confidence when we find one, we've got one. But I think that, yeah. that, again, informed how they went after the testing. And all these things, the train just fell off the tracks, you know, in, in every possible way. Yeah, so, yeah. It's... I think, too, uh, yeah, well, I think it's important for people to kind of, you know, we, we'll look back on all this in retrospect, and yes, a myriad of mistakes were made. No one's denying that. Um, but people need to sort of uh, remember that, like, this is a new thing that came up, so all the shit that, you know, uh, you'd need to combat this, you had everything had to be invented from scratch. Like, they had to come up with the tests, yes. like... Yeah. You know, and now they have to try and come up with some kind of treatment. They have to come up with some kind of cure for like a whole new disease yeah. that they don't that they're still trying to understand now as they're developing this stuff. No, absolutely correct. It's all novel. Uh, take a look. I just did the same thing, Tim. I just did exactly the same thing. We're going back. You asked, like, well, could I get this thing again? Could it happen again? And what do we do? We immediately go back and say, okay. This is what we know about other cold viruses and how they work. And maybe coronaviruses right. works the same way. It's a very logical point to start with what you know and then try to extrapolate forward logically. Sometimes that fails. And I think you're absolutely right. We have to have some sympathy with the folks on the front lines who were making reasonable inferences, very, very logical extrapolations, only to see them fall apart. Um, uh, can't help that. I mean, they, they did their best. Okay, now we got a special, uh, a special little mini mid-show guest, uh, Chris Pinio, my friend Chris Pinio. He likes to bother me in the chat, but uh, <laughs> he's calling in now because uh, he's got some interesting information. He's a he's a he's a reporter. He's been covering the COVID nineteen yeah. issue with regard to oh, jails. I know who he is. I know who. He oh, is. you know Chris Pinio. Yeah. I think he's from he around where you are, my... so maybe. All right. I think, I think he knew me by my former Twitter identity. Oh, so he, yeah, he's a real creep. He's a real creep. But we'll, <laughs> we'll, of course, <laughs> we'll let him come on the show anyway. Uh, let me see. Where the hell's the little button here? Come on, button. There we go. Pennyo, what's up? Hello. Hey. All right. Well, we can hear you a lot clearer than the last guy who called in. Thank God. Uh, so what is? Oh, what is this I hear about you uh, doing doing some uh, reporting on the jail situation? Because that's one that uh, I, you know it does. It's not getting as much press coverage. It's getting some coverage, but 
the inherent biases against prisoners uh, makes it so, you know, it's hard to, uh, you know, it's, it's it's hard to sort of get people to take a look at this story, but it's very troubling. So tell us about what's going on in the jail. I mean, it, I think it's hard to do anything because of that backlash that's been going on against the media since the beginning of this administration. But um, so the, the important thing, the first thing it has nothing to do with prisons, right? Prisons are a different issue. But um, jails, right? Local jails where they're just packing people in, and these are people that are waiting for, you know, a hearing for whatever they did or didn't do, um, and they're in and out. You know what I mean? So they could be, to my mind, it seems logical that they could be uh, subjected to the virus really quickly, and then all of a sudden you have this population of people that are infected, any highly populated area. And Interesting. Okay. You go so on. you're not talking about prisons. You're talking about jails. <clears throat> no, jails, right? You, you understand the difference, obviously. Yes, yes. Um, for, it's a very granular for the, for the, area. So what made you think of this, and what have you, what have you, what, what do you know about this? You said you've been doing reporting well, on it, so what well, do you Well, my D, the DA in the area... The DA where I live was was had sent an email to the uh, the public defender. And she's not letting anyone out, and he was like, "What the hell?" He's like, "I got a list of 28 people that are high risk people, and we should we should kind of get them processed as quickly as possible." But he was he was trying to cut a deal with the DA and be like, "Why don't we file a joint motion, and then we'll get people." out of the jail system a little bit quicker who aren't yeah. like flight risks and people who don't need to be really sitting right, there. Right, right. Uh, yeah. She was just like, no, like, no. And so I ended up, when I was talking to her, she was like, she, I'm not going to say who it was, but <laughs> she she was like, you're not listening to me. I was like, whoa, nobody's not listening to anybody here. I'm listening to you. But it, it sounds like what you're saying is she said you're that not going to, to cut a deal. Yeah, I, I had definitely like I'd let a repeater times before that, and then she. But it was um, I was like, you're gonna get locked up in the jail with those people. All... You better be careful, Daniel. <laughs> <you know. laughs> they'll, they'll uh, I was like, DAs cut deals all the time to get people in jail. You could really easily cut a deal to get somebody, you know, get a bunch of people out of jail so that the. Uh, so that the um, the population of the jail is lowered, and then you have less people right, right, right. that are in a situation where they're very highly likely to contract the disease quickly. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah. That I don't know. Sense. I just thought it, it's a pretty interesting issue. I, I uh, have you looked at other jails to find out what they're doing, doing and if they've done anything. Well, the jails are doing, but they can only do so much. So I called the warden. I, li- I live in kind of a small town, and, and like, people, most law enforcement community and stuff like that knows me, so I, I can get... Oh, yeah, access. you're definitely going to end up in one of these jails. Penny, what are you doing? Stop shaking the tree of power this time. This is a dangerous decision on your part, and I advise against it. Well, well but I, go on. I'm, do- I'm doing what you have to do as a reporter. This is this is the public. If, if you, <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't just all right, all right. hold... 
infection happened. Why uh, do I get the feeling that, like, in two weeks we're going to be doing a GoFundMe to get Pinio out of the Tucson jail or something? But, all right. <laughs> it's worrisome. So, yeah, so have you found out, you know, have you called around to other, to other jails to find out yeah, what, so, what the situation is? I, I called my one jail and talked to the, talk to, the, uh, talk to the warden there, and he was like, I have 130 people in the jail. I need it down to like nine, eight, uh, 90 to 100 would be the maximum where I can keep them apart from each other, like keep prisoners yeah. separate. Um, and then it's it's been kind of a situation where you didn't need to call around different jails. But where you are, uh, they're doing a lot. There, there's there's some, some precincts that are stopped for certain reasons, like uh, – Nonviolent, you're not going to go to jail. Yeah, They're yeah. Just summons you to court, you know. So they are doing a lot in the in the East Coast, um, and the police down here were better. Like, I don't know. The DA wasn't a jerk to me at all. She was just like, just for a second, I got in an argument with her. But uh, <clears throat> the police were really like forthcoming, and they were like, we're actually following what they're doing on the East Coast. Because that that sounds like what we might end up having to do is is try to depopulate the right. jails and then use like change the arrest policy to keep it so that less yeah. people are going in. And then then I got a, I got a tip the other day that the cops had brought somebody in for d- domestic, and it was like mm-hmm. they had just been yelling at each other. It wasn't like mm-hmm. a real violent situation or anything. The cops brought the guy to the jail, and the the warden was like, "No, he's not coming in. He's got he's got he's got signs of COVID." And so they just had to bring him and like drop him off a couple towns away instead of, and they didn't even Jesus. bring him to a different jail. They just dropped him. <laughs> what? They just <laughs> drove him fucking two towns like, away and left him at a bus station or some shit. <laughs> they were like, "Just don't." Where the don't fuck do you live? For a while. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Uh, New Mexico, dude. Oh, okay. It, we, I thought it might have been Arizona. Tyler, you're in Arizona, so you're you're safe from this kind of no, no. chicanery. Oh no! Oh no! I wish I was. Oh no! No. Wait, you live in you live in Arizona? You know the the deal with border towns, though, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a bad situation I mean, we have. Yeah, if the border. I mean, I'm speaking off the cuff here, but if the I feel like if the border towns get a get a chance that they might. A bunch of natives might die. The border towns are just going to be like, oh, just throw their hands up and let it happen. What? Yeah, one of the things is that we have these detention centers with a lot of children. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's another problem. You notice nobody's talking about that whole thing about how they were taking away kids so, and putting them in cages. It's like, oh shit, are they going to get this thing now? But no one asked. Well, well we some hope- people ask online, but you really ever? I haven't heard anyone report on it or anything. I haven't either, and, and it's been kind of the forgotten story. Uh, yeah. We, yeah. we would hope that maybe the rate is less in children, but we're not sure. But you have these kids who are stuck in and other people who are in detention who are under very stressful conditions. Who oh, are yeah. Not gonna be able definitely to not hygienic and shit and malnourished you know, and everything else. Everything going wrong. And, and so the stress alone could be a killer. It's just amazing that they haven't had, uh, depending on their vaccine status, you know, measles and influenza and other things, just run riot in those places. Amazing. Yeah. Right. And, you know, for all we know, they have. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's aggressions already in large populations in prisons and jails. So, Penny, what do you think they should do about the? I mean, can they even do anything about prisons and shit? Or is that? I know you. I know you're a jail specialist. But... I, I think prison prison is a really hard situation. What are you going to do? Just transfer? I mean, I don't know. Some. Um, like Massachusetts has a deal with Texas, so they could sh- they can ship prisoners down there, uh, with, if there's overflow. But yeah. uh, it, it, prisons would just be really it's really hard to do anything about. So like, what are you gonna? You can't let people out of prison. Um, although I, I actually heard one where a guy got some places uh, they are he was like, like people who are going to be out in six months or something are letting them out. Yeah, yeah, I heard one. In Albuquerque, the guy was up for parole, and so he he used Corona uh, COVID nineteen as the as as his reason to get parole, and and they paroled him. Oh, that's well. good. Yeah, that is good. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I was saying to somebody the other day, like a lot of people express this concern, like, oh, it's going to lead to a police state and shit. And it's like, dude, they're letting people out of prison. They're fucking telling people they're not going to arrest them for certain crimes. It's like this is the furthest thing from a police state. Like, this is this is fucking anarchy. It's not a fucking police state. Well, I mean, but uh, you know, where, where maybe maybe it'll swing back in the other direction and it'll it'll be harsh. But who who knows? I live on the Navajo. They'll, they'll actually the, the uh, Navajo police are are at the point where they're stopping people if you're out of your house at after eight. Really? Wow. Well, that's yeah, the same. That's that, that's that's that way in a lot of towns, though. That's that way in a lot of towns. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, I I was asked by the internet uh, radio police to make sure that you weren't on the show past ten my time. So we got to wrap it up here with your with your visit. <laughs> So hey. thank you, Tyler, for laughing uh, at that. Let me, let me that <laughs> Can people read any of your reporting on these jail things, or is this still a story in progress? No, my 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 stories are published, but it, it, my uh, my newspaper is kind of old school, so they don't have a like, uh, online edition. Um, yeah. So it's hard to get. It's the Gallup Independent that I'm that I'm at. You should make yourself useful with them and turn t- take over the whole online presence for them. No, I mean they have, they have an online presence. It's just they got a paywall, so it's like it's oh god, difficult to get, a, get out of. Yeah, who the hell wants to pay for the fucking I mean. Coyote Gazette or whatever it's called? Um, <laughs> yeah, that sounds awful. All right, well yeah, I guess okay. you can't share this shit either and be like, oh hey, yeah. Yeah. So, sorry, um, man. Thanks. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Peace. Thank you for calling in. Bye. All right, there goes Pinio. That was interesting. Uh, yeah, it's another facet to the story, and boy, there are people that just don't count, and they're in a terrible situation. Yeah, it's uh, it's. It's worrisome, yeah. It's certainly worrisome. There's all kinds of little tributaries to this whole thing that, you know, you can really drive yourself mad going down, you know. That's why uh, I was kind of joking with Pinio. It's like, don't don't stir up too much trouble down there, dude. Uh, you know, people, 
people are apt to t- turn a blind eye at this time. So if they're like, just throw him in the basement until he smartens up. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope that that's not the decision-making process. Uh, I would be interested to hear his opinion as to how uh, so many of the prisons uh, being uh, run by uh, private corporations, uh, how that might influence uh, their feeling about letting people out. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't know how they do it, but I'm sure that there's a, a capitation level, like for every person you have, you get X number of dollars per day. And if they start uh, tossing people out, then how does that affect their bottom line? I just th- These are the kind of paranoid rants that I have in the middle of the night where you, you wonder, like, oh, wait, how does this actually work? You know, uh, yeah. if they let somebody out, which would be good, but then it costs them, is that going to happen? That's just me. Yeah, yeah. It's a that's a whole kettle of fish because it's like if somebody oh. gets sick with this, then then the government's got to take care of them and shit. And then it's like, you know, as I said, people are predisposed to be agitated if people in prison get anything. So it's like I can already see if there's some massive outbreak in the prison system, people will be like, ah, fuck them, they're you know they're in prison, blah blah blah. And it's yeah. like, oh come on, dude, you know, yeah. what kind of society it's are we? In? <laughs> well, that, this is this is a good question. And some people just plain don't count. And I'm not I'm not trying to say everybody in prison, you know, is innocent or, or uh, you know, some kind of super uh, concerned about people that have committed crimes that you know that they have right, to, right. to yeah. There are a lot the of bad people for. in prison. No one's no one's absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's what prisons we are for. Don't bad want people. Them out. Yeah. Absolutely not. I'm just glad that I don't um, have to, to try to to parse that decision, you know, and say, okay, you qualify, but you don't, you know, and it just becomes an impossible task. Like, well, yeah, you know what? You only shot somebody, but you actually killed someone. So one person leaves, the other one doesn't. Bye, guys. Right, right. Yeah, and it's like, just don't shoot anyone again, please. We're we're just asking you. (laughs) I promise. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, it's worrisome. Well, there's all kinds of little... You know, little things like that. Um, you know, well, I think. I can tell you. God. If you look at look at the situation in Washington State, one of the first places that was hit very hard was a long-term care facility for the elderly, and those places are at extraordinary risk. Uh, I understand that many of them have limited uh, visitors, basically saying no visitors, trying to as best as they can to control the the input, but it's not unusual for uh, places that have really elderly debilitated populations, for example, to to be decimated by influenza, even though everybody got vaccinated well before influenza appeared. And you get to a certain age and, and you don't respond to the vaccines anymore. So imagine what this entity, COVID-19, which is more infectious and much tougher and influenza is going to do in these places. And it's just a question of time, unless we can break the chain of transmission. Well, that's what we're trying to do, those of us on lockdown. we got to spread this stuff around. Let's put it on the Internet. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? I will yeah. give you a, a quarantine, yeah. quarantine update on, for me. I only... I only left the house 
on Sunday afternoon to run to my local gas station to uh, stock up on cigarettes and uh, other snacks <laughs> and sundries. Um, and I was gloved. I didn't take a picture. I almost did, but maybe next time. Uh, but we're in good shape, so I don't know if, when I'll leave the house again. But uh, mask, gloves, of course. Um, extensive cleaning when I got home. Uh, but what stunned me, this was like, holy shit, dude. Like, the gas station was operating like nothing, like there was nothing. <laughs> it was like going back in time to six weeks ago. It was like, do you, yeah. do you realize it's like a, the kid was just st- standing there at the counter with no protective equipment, um, you know, and this place has gotten in trouble for, uh, this is how fucking crazy this is, Tyler. This place has gotten in trouble for uh, selling cigarettes to minors. So they have to, like, take your ID and scan it. Now, I don't know if they've changed the policy for safety's sake, but based on the way the kid was dressed and everything, I almost think that that's not the the case. But it's just like this kid is standing here for eight hours, and people are coming in. God help him if he's he's got this thing because he's holding all their licenses and and taking all their – taking all their merchandise and scanning it or whatever. So it's like, Jesus. I felt like saying, dude, don't you, shouldn't you wear some gear? But I think one of the kids, I had said that a few weeks ago. I'm like, you're going to get gloves and shit, dude? And he's like, the gloves, if I get it on my gloves, I'm just going to get it on everything then. So it was like, I don't, yep. I don't know. I'm not going to stand here and argue with you gas station attendants about, uh, you know, <laughs> about viruses and shit. Maybe he's right. But still, it's like, I, I wouldn't want to be barehanded. Honestly, if I was, if I had that job, I probably would be in a mask with a fucking box of gloves. And every customer that came in, I'd put on a new pair of gloves and throw out the old pair that I was wearing, uh, you know, when the previous customer came in. But, yep. you know, I'd probably actually yeah. just quit the job because it sounds insane to work in, like, you know, such a high high foot traffic Sort of, uh, job. you uh, you probably wouldn't have to quit, Tim. They'd probably terminate you. So, I uh, see. Uh, but you're right. If you go through the math, how many customers does that person encounter each day? And it's a it's a pretty good number. Uh, and so eventually, you're gonna your luck isn't gonna hold anymore. Uh, right. I've noticed. And you talk about social customers. distancing. This was like, dude. I was like two feet. There was like a little counter between us. And I'm just like, dude, you really, you're really flouting all fucking, all advice here. (laughs) You are, you are really, you know, you, you've just thrown all caution to the wind, brother. Like I would would speak up if I were you. And for minimum wage, probably, you know, so. Yeah. Or not much more than that. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I I agree. I noticed that uh, I, I go to Safeway. It's close to where I live, and uh, they have they have instituted some control measures. Like they have uh, mapped out where the carts where you should stand with your cart so that they maintain a six foot. Yeah, distance. yeah. And they uh, also uh, told us you cannot bring in your own bags anymore. They don't allow that. Right. They they and, ban those here too. Yeah. Yeah, so they're they're getting information from CDC, uh, but the person who's manning the register, I don't think she had gloves on. She certainly didn't have a face mask or anything. So maybe this week, 
Maybe this week with the new idea of face masks, maybe they will. With the new guidance, uh, yeah. Maybe the employees will. But, um, you know, they've taken some steps, but uh, they're not behind the, the screen like you described, the plexiglass screen. Yeah, they got that in my uh, town now, so. I think that would be wise. I fully expected the kid to be behind the – I expected the kid to be behind one of those when I went into the gas station. I'm like, oh, they probably put up a wall for this kid now by the time I get in there, and it's like – Whoa, this is like back to the future here. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me let me ask you a question. If if you had a son, would you let him work at that place? No, no way. No, neither would I. No. And so I, I don't know. I mean, maybe this is a giant uh, chain, and so there's only management but I, that, you know, like they don't own the place. But either uh, owner, manager, or just manager, I think that you it would prey upon your mind at night that I didn't take steps to protect this person that could have been pretty easy, and I didn't do yeah. it. Uh, we're just not seeing, it in, in my view, enough of that. And, you know, I, I hope that more people get the idea that, geez, this is on me. You know, the federal government is going to come in here and save me. It's on me. I've got to do what I can do. So Right, not just there we save are. the kid, but if you're the manager of that place or the company that owns it, like, you should – you know, realize that you have a responsibility to all the people that come in. I was wearing yeah. gloves and a mask, but like when I was when I was in there, I think two people came in that were just like the that were completely un unprotected. So it's like yeah. if the kid gets it, he can be giving it to every knucklehead that comes in here that isn't that that thinks this isn't a big deal, and thus yeah. we we and, can't get rid of this thing. And thus there we go. I mean it's. We're all, in, in one sense, we are literally all in the same boat, okay? And so if one doesn't get the message, that's all it takes. It just continues to reverberate. So we're in a, we're in a tough position here that we need good compliance. We're having a tough time getting good compliance across the board. I guess that's just the way it is. Yeah. Well... We'll see what happens. I mean, it's uh, it's getting hairy. It's getting hairy here. The next, I just the think next it's going to be – yeah, that's, go ahead. That's what I was going to start talking about. But, yeah, what do you think? The next, I think the next few days a lot more people will get religion because there really will be, uh, unfortunately, uh, more people dying and dying yeah. faster. And uh, I think for the first time we may hear stories of, uh, they, the hospital people basically were totally overwhelmed. There were no ventilators. And so they just put the person in a sedation and rolled them out in the hallway and let them fade right, away. Right, right. Uh, and that's the worst case scenario. This is what happens when you overrun the capacity of your medical system to help people. And, I, you know, I just, just understand. I think people need to understand that ventilators are not a magic mechanism to save your life. If no, no, go no. To a ventilator, uh, Cuomo, Cuomo said it. He kind of explained it, where it's like once you're on the ventilator, like the longer you're on it, the like more likely you are, you're not going to get off of it. You know, you're no, yes. you know, you're going to die. Yes, and so at, at best case scenario, it's like fifty fifty. So you can't, you know, we want the ventilators. You know, we really we want them to try to save the maximum number of people, but not everybody is going to be saved even if we have plenty of ventilators. We're just in a bad state. Right. But I guarantee you 
if they get to the point where uh, the emergency people have to triage you in the hallway and basically say no ventilator, we'll just sedate them and let nature take its course, we're really going to be in a sorry state. And this is this is what Governor Cuomo is trying to avoid. This is what other places are trying to avoid. It's yeah. all we can do right now. Right. It's terrifying because, you know, last week was sort of at the beginning of the week. They said, oh, it's going to be a tough two weeks. Well, we're kind of getting ready to start like sort of the the second half of this long stretch, if not like, the you know, the uh, the second third. So, uh, as I said, unless they can wake up tomorrow and they're like, oh, it turns out if you drink a full can of Dr. Pepper, it goes away. It's like <laughs> – uh, there ain't no getting out of the next few days, man. It's going to be a living nightmare. It's going to be an absolute living nightmare. You're right. If you uh, people are going to probably develop a new faith, but um, if, if you read the Bible, in there is uh, a statement that with great knowledge comes great sadness. Depending on which version of the Bible you read, and this is what where we are now is that we see the numbers, the leap up of cases. And we know damn well that following on that, a week, two weeks later, are going to be a lot of deaths. And people who are jugging along okay, yeah, I've got, I've got COVID, but I'm doing okay, are suddenly not going to be doing okay. Yeah. This is where we are. And we, we know that is coming. We know it. This is why people say the show's depressing, but they're <laughs> well, it, it, we're trying to we're trying to fucking be honest with people here at least, you know, that yeah. this is um you know, there's a certain there's a gallows humor to it in a sense. I try to at least uh bring that and and I mean I'm genuinely frightened. There's a part of me I told you this before we went on the air that's like there's a good part of me, you know, everybody who listens to the show knows I'm a pretty heavy smoker. It's like shit. If I get this thing, I could be fucked. You know, I could fucking die from this just because I've abused <laughs> abused my body so badly over the last uh, forty some odd years. Um, you know, I'm not a I'm no spring chicken. Uh, <laughs> so, so, well, so so it's yeah. worrisome. It's it, I, you know I'm genuinely worried, folks. Uh, if, if you go to the gym every day and you're all right, and you know even you could you know not you Tyler, I mean like. Your average super fit person, uh, yes. You know, super yes. fit person. They they could get it, and they could get something. Something could go wrong with them. It's you have no idea. We're we're wondering. People are asking: uh, Is there maybe a genetic sort of constitution that's more susceptible than another? And we know that that it, it as many agents, it, it loves certain situations like diabetes, yeah, uh, and heart issues and that kind of thing. But uh, one of the things you have to keep in mind is if you look at the total burden of patients, uh, a lot of them are, are, are relatively young, middle-aged and younger. And what we have is the, um, the sort of like random chance uh, that the, the virus doesn't kill all that many or it kills mostly at the upper end of the lifespan. But you have so many younger people who are active and out there and doing things and getting infected that you have yeah. a lot more of them ending up dead just by virtue of the total disease burden in that sort of age bracket. So this yeah. thing, this thing can get you, and it can get it you unexpectedly. 
It doesn't. We wish we wish we knew how it did. And so people are actually going to probably do the genome-wide association studies and and try to figure out like is there a genetic marker that's linked. Uh, what I can tell you right now is there will be. There, there will be several, and they, these people will go absolutely stark raving mad trying to figure out which one is significant. Because if you look at enough yeah. markers, you will find correlations. You will find correlations. Then you have to go back and validate those. And so it's, it's going to be a long haul before we figure that one out. And just like always, not in time to really help anybody this time. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's troublesome. It certainly is. We hope for the best, though. Maybe that, maybe that warm weather thing will work out. You know, we you know, need we need some kind of we need some kind of uh, we need some. I wouldn't call it a miracle, as the, as the president said, but we need yeah. we need some kind of change in change in the circumstances here. Maybe that would benefit us somehow. But it's uh, you know, it, it could be. You might be onto something. That uh, typically, uh, if it's influenza, here we go. We're going to extrapolate again. Uh, and the last stars drop down with the onset of, of warm weather, that might give us some breathing room to be ready because this could just right. be the herald wave for a disaster in the fall if we don't take steps. And what we'll have to do exactly. is get ventilators, get sl- stocked up, you know, get the supplies, find out if any of these drugs work, make a lot of those if they do. Uh, we can't stop our effort because it dies down. Uh, in the summer because it could come roaring back. We also need to be on guard that we need to have a really good public health surveillance system so when the first COVID cases pop up, we see them. We see them right away and then start to get the ball rolling so we don't get caught twice. But maybe, maybe, you know, we can pray for that. More sunshine, warm weather, you know, and, and, uh, save us through that. Save us through summer. Yeah, you know, we gotta we gotta pin our hopes on something, right? At this point. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a reasonable hope. I think we can usually assume that that most of these diseases do die down. Um, a lot of diseases have seasonal sorts of uh, preferences, when I call it that, uh, that we never really quite pinned down. But influenza and common cold, they, uh, they're always out there cooking a little bit, but they become hyper-endemic in the winter. Actually, influenza causes uh, uh, the um, true epidemics. The, back in the day, influenza used to be, in the modern era, the only infectious disease agent that could spike the U.S. death rate. It now yeah. has a competitor. You could just look at, yeah, you could look at the demographics, the, the actuarial tables, and uh, the actuaries would be able to tell you, oh, yeah, here's when the epidemic was, because see, all these deaths looped up. Yeah. And it was the only one. Now we got SARS. SARS-2, the new coronavirus. SARS-2, yes, coronavirus. Right. Yeah. You are right, Professor. I just call it the coronavirus. I don't, I don't care for any other name. Coronavirus is the most. Uh, I don't like COVID-19. I don't think. I'm not a fan of COVID-19. Who is a who is a fan of COVID nineteen? I don't. <laughs> well, this is this is the the um, the system that we use. COVID is the designation for the disease. No, I know we and, talked we talked about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we always we name the disease. Um, sometimes it, searching for an etiology. This time we had them both at the same time. 
which is uh, kind of interesting. Yeah, it's confusing. I like to. It is. I don't talk to many people. Well, I talk to people on the phone, but I don't like. If I was out and about more, I would have a lot more use for this. But if you, <laughs> people listening, if you want to, if you want to really get under the skin of one of your loved ones, you can be like, you don't even know the difference between coronavirus and COVID nineteen because they probably don't. But but thanks to talking to you all this time, I know that the coronavirus is what causes the COVID nineteen. So there you go. Yeah. So there's your at-home at home bar trick to try on your loved one is uh, <laughs> stump them stump with that. You just say, hey, you, you probably don't even know the difference between coronavirus and COVID-19. You know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah perfect. That'll, that'll oh, be going for people who are sheltering together. Yeah, good <laughs> idea. Man. Yeah, that'll make for a fun evening. That's the... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. Well, it's interesting. I have a friend uh who's concerned about uh people snitching on each other uh and 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 uh and and not social distance shaming and things of that nature. I'm not too I'm not too worried about that, but it's an interesting idea. Um my attitude is that like I I'm on super bubble boy status. So to me, <laughs> I don't even s- I don't even see people who aren't who aren't social distancing, and I wouldn't like shame them. But apparently, that's a thing, of course, because shame shaming people is like one of America's favorite things to do. So uh, I can well, see how shaming can... shaming people like that. But at the same time, in my opinion, it's like it all depends on the situation, because people shouldn't be outright flouting the idea that you shouldn't be. Um, you know, gathering in large groups. But if somebody just like goes out for a walk, it's like they're perfect. That's perfectly fine. They can they can go out for a walk, yeah. or a family a family yeah. can go out for a walk. You don't you don't get on their case about it. Yes. The um, back in the day uh, when my dad was a little kid, they got quarantined for diphtheria. And what they used to do in those situations is they would put a sign on the house. The public health authorities would put a sign designating quarantine. And what they relied on was people in the community to report, for example, like if my grandfather, if he brought food and left it on the porch, which he could do, but if he crossed the threshold and went inside, he had to stay. They'd report you. And what they relied on was the neighbors to keep an eye out and report anybody who was violating the uh, quarantine because oh, see, yeah, my friend wouldn't yeah. like that at all. And this, this is all there was back in that day. They didn't, they didn't have very many therapeutic options. So, you know, the other thing people have uh, forgotten is when we, we look at the diamond princess and other um, cruise ships, quarantine is not to protect the people who are quarantined. They're going to, their fate is whatever their fate is. The quarantine is to protect the rest of the people. Yeah. That, that's a, a cruel thing to say and to experience. But that's what it was about is, you know, nature would take its course, the requisite time would go past, and the disease would yeah. be over, and those people could then come back out, whoever was still alive. So these are, these are really terrible situations. We've got 
Uh, cruise ships looking for ports, having trouble finding them, you know. Uh, yeah, that's scary too. Again, again, another another little, uh, you know, another little side tributary. That's like, what about all those people on cruise ships? What about all the people yeah. in jails? What about all the kids on the borders? Yeah, there's a lot of. Has anyone checked on the Amish? Yeah, yeah. These are these are interesting questions. The uh, the cruise ship, um, the way that oh, I can't remember if, if it was this was an official Coast Guard communication, but uh, the idea was that well you know you're not flagged in the U S. We don't have a responsibility to take care of your passengers, so you need to go to the Bahamas or whoever you know you're operating under the auspices of. So and this, yet they're giving them a really, buyout and get their and get and yet they're bailing them out. That's what drives me nuts. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're, they're, it's, that's it's ridiculous. A, I also will tell you that some of those cruise ships left well after it was clear there was a coronavirus problem and nobody quite knew where it was. Uh, but again, you know, this is one of those things that you can't make any money if you don't sail. So they're, you know, they're trapped in a way. Um, I suppose. Yeah. Some of those, as I understand it, some of the cruise ships are uh, basically without passengers, but the crew is uh, riding out a quarantine period. The cruise, the cruise, like a thousand people at least. So it's not it's oh, no yeah. small potatoes. No, no, no. So hopefully they're they're doing okay, but um, it's a tough tough situation. I wouldn't want to be out at sea and not be able to. Well, anyway, there we have it. It's uh, yeah. Gonna be now crazy. I want to update on a couple of interesting numbers here from. Uh, that have come up as we talked on the show over the last few weeks. Um, now I don't have it in front of me. I wish, wish I had. Uh, I want to say when we talked about Russia like two weeks ago, they were only like 200 cases, and now they're at 4,000 cases uh, with 34 deaths confirmed. So they're they're at about the size of a. Let me see. I can do a compare and contrast. Uh, what did I say? There are about 4,000 cases. So they're like at what like Connecticut and Colorado are at right now, but with far less deaths. Um, so, you know, and a medium-sized U.S. Down. state. Yeah, and they've, they've instituted uh, – instituted an, I think I would love to know. I would wish someone would look this up. Like who – are we like the only country left? I know Mexico is, is – Pretty laissez-faire about this so far, from what I understand. Uh, I guess the president of Mexico was out hanging out with El Chapo's mom or some shit, which is like, what? I don't even know what that's about. But <laughs> for real, for real, that was the story. Yeah. And he was just hanging out and at a family dinner with them and had no protective anything. So it was like, they don't seem to care at all down there. Um, and I don't think they even have that many cases from what I can gather. I haven't even looked into that. But also Brazil. Have you been following Brazil? Yes. Yeah. What a mess. You got a, a president. Yeah, they're super. They are super. Like the president there is like acting kind of like what how Trump did a few weeks ago, where he's like, "This is no big deal at all. It's just the flu. Everyone's being panicky. Stop it." And it's like, "Uh oh, man. This is yeah. This, this could turn yeah, ugly down there." Let me tell you, one of the things that, that you would want to, to avoid at any price, if you at all possibly could, would be to unleash an agent like this new coronavirus 
into one of the mega cities like Mexico City or Sao Paulo and just yeah. have it do whatever it wanted to do. I can't imagine a worse situation. And it's just well, I mean, isn't that the, that's the thing that makes me wonder, like, is it, is there, uh, you know, is it already there? Because, like, when we talked about this at the very beginning of this uh, series, we talked about, I mean, are they even testing in these places? Are they even testing in Brazil? Are they even testing in Mexico? Or is it like, um, I mean, they just barely started testing in Florida. So I can't imagine they have yeah. even, the, even remotely the testing that we have here, and our testing sucks. So it's like there you could wake I, up tomorrow and find that they have a full-blown panic on their hands, kind of like what we had happen to us uh, at the beginning of uh, last month. Well, one, one thing that's, that's quite true is if you don't test, you don't have any cases. So everything's right. fine. And then, then what will happen is all of a sudden people will become seriously ill, lots of them, and some of them <laughs> will die. And, and uh, like you say, I don't know how they're going to get out of that one if this really comes to pass. So you kind of you hope that maybe you know, each country, each environment is different, that people are different. Uh, you know, we, yeah. we can't necessarily equate them, but I would be beside myself with worry if I was the leader of a nation with these monopolists that could could have stuff get loose and we couldn't possibly even track it, let alone control it. You know, so right, right. Jeez, it's worrisome. It is worrisome. Uh, well, I actually now the I, other. I, I don't know if I said okay. Yeah, I got this here for you now. The the numbers in Mexico are fifteen hundred confirmed. So about oh, I did I did do that. I'm sorry, I did do that. I can't okay. keep track of all this. You know, uh, wait, no, I didn't. Where? Yeah, that was four thousand. <laughs> I can't, can't keep I can't keep track of uh, yeah. So they have fifteen hundred in Mexico, um, and fifteen you know where deaths. No, is it's it just the whole nation district? here. I can't well, I can't expand on this. Uh, I have no idea, no idea. Uh, But they have 1,500, which is comparable to Nevada uh, and Alabama. So it's actually right on the right on the line of uh, Alabama and Nevada. So if people uh, are wondering, the thing that the first thing that would come to my mind is, uh, you know, if all those cases were in the federal district, uh, a lot of tourists come in there, obviously. uh, But Cancun, Acapulco, uh, those sorts of places might have very heavy outbreaks already, and you get a lot of travel between the Spring states break. In, in Mexico. Yes, exactly, Tim. Uh, and so it's a very popular place for Americans to go. Uh, and, and in particular, uh, we're just getting out of the really heavy winter season down there. So I would be amazed if uh, it didn't start in some of the, the uh, bigger tourist areas that have high traffic and cruise ships and then travel yeah. up to uh, to Mexico City in very short order. So, I mean, you know, the first place you want to go if you go to, to Mexico City is, is you want to see uh, Teotihuacan. And I can imagine that probably draws many, many thousands of people from across the world. It's got to be there. It's just got to well, be there. We just know yeah. it. That throws back to what I was saying when we first started this conversation. I, I never got around to finishing that point, but that it was like, I always assumed the number was like a hundred something thousand because they hadn't tested anybody yet. 
And if a if a basketball yeah. player can give it to a little kid, giving them the an autograph, then how then this thing must be way like insanely widespread, and which is what we're yeah. finding out now. And it's insanely sneaky, and so we you, you can't tell. This is the 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 problem. You have to to worry if you're uh, President Obrador. Uh, you know, maybe what you don't want to do is say anything that scares away tourists, uh, trying to hope that it doesn't hit you, can't see it yet, and uh, finding out the hard way that wasn't a good policy. And I think, honestly, it's quite likely they might. But again, yeah. maybe, you know, warm weather, humidity, maybe maybe those things have cut down on the transmission rate. Um, I think at this point, uh, rather than crossing my fingers and hoping, I'd, I'd hope for a more active approach but who knows maybe they're right and i'm wrong yeah this whole thing is going to wind up being a lesson for a lot of uh historians and scientists uh, for a generation or two you know how different countries handled this and how it all evolved now i got confused there looking at the numbers because i had a different little box up here on my screen now this one we got I, we, I got two thoughts. First, I never thought I'd say this, but maybe maybe Donald Trump is a genius. And second, we need Uh-oh. to get we need to get a boat or something, Tyler, to get here because Greenland, Greenland, dude, is still a tiny, tiny, tiny little dot. And when you click on it, it is they only have ten cases in Greenland. That's it. Ten cases, okay. no deaths, th- three recovered, seven active. Now, of course. Like like we said, they haven't done they I assume they haven't done very much testing if they only have ten people, but that's still that's wild. <laughs> Reykjavik <laughs> isn't exactly a, a tiny uh community. How many do they have? Can you see that? Reykjavik? Oh that's Iceland actually. I stand corrected. Yeah. That's Iceland. Yeah. So my bad. Now you know why I'm not so in they, charge of Iceland has 1300 so they're they're okay. kind of in line with uh some of these some of these other uh places. Iceland has 1300 Mexico yeah, has 1500. Have, uh, yeah, so it's kind of about the same as Mexico. So just Greenland. We just got to get to Greenland. I don't even know how many people live there, but more uh, than 10. Well, there's so. a, there are military bases at Thule and uh I I'm, I'm going to guess that people cycle in and out. Uh, but maybe, you know, maybe they've uh, put a halt to that. Uh, because of the, the um, COVID situation right now, so they're slowing down. Yeah, but uh, they wouldn't let us in yeah. if we tried to get there in there anyway. Well, they wouldn't know we were, we were there. We'd just sneak in and show up. <laughs> you know? It is it is rather but, sizable. We could probably, if we got a boat, we could probably get to. You know, there's quite a huge shoreline of Greenland. If we could just, oh, we'd have to live yeah. off the grid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I think most of that place there is no grid, so that wouldn't be a problem. But uh, I've only they I've do the work for us. That's that. right. No, I've, I've not either. Seen, I've only seen it from the air. That, that's as close as I've ever gotten, and uh, I don't know that I'll ever get there. But uh, Iceland, they have a, a big tourist industry, and, and they have to be very concerned about what happens when the the big crunch because. Uh, I think they're, obviously their biggest season is in, in the warm weather months, or actually what they call warm weather. Uh, to me, it was like winter. They're in July. Yeah. I thought I was going to die. 
But anyway. Uh, uh, and one more number update. We were talking about Brazil. They have uh, they have approximately 9,000 uh, cases with 363 deaths, which is like about comparable, uh, really comparable to Louisiana. So that should tell you. I mean, that, okay. and that kind of is in line with uh, what you kind of expect. It's about Louisiana size country or something like that, I think. Well, you I don't got, know if that makes uh, sense. not like not like I think population wise, it's sort of uh, I think I have no idea. It's, uh, okay. <laughs> the, um, it just has the same feel. It's a party. It's a party city. I guess that's kind of what's in my head. You go like the, the Mardi Gras. You know, the, isn't like the Mardi Gras and uh, and all that. So maybe uh, maybe well, that's they, the connection I'm making in my head. They have uh, Rio has a carnival. That, there you go. Yes, exactly. Thank you. You bailed me out. But <laughs> what's, what's interesting is um, <laughs> if you look at, at Brazil in particular, uh, it is uh, tropical. You know, it sort of uh, uh, basically straddles the equator. And um, uh, you're looking at uh, the, the southern hemisphere is uh, the seasons are opposite. And typically what happens is stuff like influenza comes and goes sort of in the opposite sort of uh, time sense as it does in the northern hemisphere. So as yeah. they get deeper into the, the winter months, they might see um, in the southern parts of uh, South America, for example, uh, a surge in infections. And uh, um, so we're, we've got them. You know, we don't, we don't exactly know where, but uh, yeah. the best is yet to come in terms of when that virus likes to, to circulate in the southern hemisphere. So it's uh, that's it's just, true. Yeah, there could, yeah. like you said before, the warm the warm weather in some of these countries may have a hand in uh, maybe it, it not may. being as prevalent. We just don't know. We just that's you know we don't know. We just and don't we're, know. We're equating things. You know, we we assume that everybody's roughly um, the same, but you know the the age demographic, the basic health of the population. In the U.S., right. we have quite a number of people who are overweight and, and obese, and that that is not a good situation. If you get this, yeah. Thanks, thanks, like thanks, thanks for reminding me, Tyler. Now we got a we we got another <laughs> caller on the line, so let's let's do the caller here because uh, we're one we're uh, one and one so far, I think, for for quality callers. So uh, let's see what seven one six has to say. Seven one six, you're on the air. Hi, how are, how are you guys doing? Um, I'm appreciating the conversation. Um, you know, a friend of mine was talking about we, you know, we get no good news, and is there any glimmer of hope? And I, I wonder if there would be any commentary that you all might know about with uh, two clinical trials that are going on. Uh, one is old school. Uh, I'm told it was developed in the uh, 1800s and was used in the 1918 flu pandemic, where they extracted serum antibodies from people who had recovered and use those to boost the immunity of uh, people who had the disease. The, the second one that I know is a legit uh, clinical trial is with, I think, which was an arthritis drug called, I, I can hardly pronounce it, it was Saralumab Regeneron. It, it comes out of Terrytown, and uh, it's being tested at Roswell Park uh, Cancer Institute here in Buffalo, which is a qualified research institute. So one drug in one serum procedure with antibodies uh, is being tested in earnest. We don't know 
you know, if it's going to have any effectiveness, but at least right. there's some potential there to either decrease symptoms or um, uh, uh, shorten shorten the duration of the symptoms. And so I'll listen to the discussion yeah. off, offline. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, all right, Tyler. I've never had a caller who wants to ask the question and leaves. I really appreciate that, caller. Cool. Uh, okay. It's always awkward. Historic. It's always awkward just to just to break the fourth wall. It's always I never know I never know when and how to to uh show the caller the door. So I appreciate that. So you I think you sent me a link about a story about antibodies, people and antibodies. Yeah. Um I don't know if that's yeah. in line with what the caller, he never gave his name. No, it is. Uh Hit, okay, well, well fire exactly. away. Let us, let us know what that's about. So he, he's talking about um, taking the, the serum, uh, plasma, from people who have uh, survived an infection with coronavirus and basically perfusing that into other patients who are severely ill. And it does have promise. It, it does seem to have brought back uh, people who were really, uh, really, really seriously hurt of being hurt by the infection. And so people are pretty excited that, you know, maybe this will be something we can do now in the near term. Uh, it's like a blood transfusion, only it's just basically antibodies, uh, and you yeah. have to match it with the patient. But, yes, this is a, this is a reworking of an old idea. Uh, von Bering and Wernicke came up with uh, the, the first uh, sort of process, which they uh, It sounds kind of like... It sounds kind of like some kind of weird, like, workaround of a vaccine almost, where it's like instead no of way it is. You're absolutely tricking right. the body it into making vaccine. the antibodies, you just stick the antibodies in and, and cut out the middle yes. almost. Absolutely correct. And so uh, now the person that gets the perfusion, gets the antibodies from someone else, uh, basically has um, immunity. Uh, it's called, this is passive immunization. And so they, mm -hmm. it's as if they're immune. They are not immune in the sense that the person that donated the antibodies is. So they'll, they'll be okay for a few months. But if a new vaccine comes up, that person will need it because they're not permanently immune. But you're absolutely yeah. right. This, this is uh, sort of a, a strange cutting out the middleman approach. So, uh, yeah, I think 100-plus um, years ago, late 1800s, uh, this was used uh, as a, a successful way to fight off diphtheria because diphtheria yeah. kills with a toxin, and the patients who survived uh, sometimes could produce antibodies. Um, anyway, if you have the um, a diphtheria antitoxin, you can salvage patients who uh, otherwise um, wouldn't make it. Now, that one peculiarity of the diphtheria toxin that I, I forgot about is uh, when a patient survives, they have to be vaccinated because the toxin kills at such a low level and they don't even amount a response to it. So the original yeah. technique is a little different than what's being done here. But, yeah, it has people are excited that this might actually uh, do something for us. So um, this idea of passive immunization is a mainstay of medicine right now. We use it all the time. Uh, and so we have uh, a hyperimmune serum that you can uh, give to a patient who's been uh, attacked by a mad dog to try to prevent rabies. You also vaccinate at the same time, but we use it against measles, chicken pox. Uh, we have a thing called Verazig. Uh, we can, the Gamma Guard, uh, it sometimes goes by that name. For, against measles, mm -hmm. it's called Bagam. 
So we have all these things, uh, tetanus, another one, um, and we're using antibodies. We put in antibodies in the patients for, to treat a variety of things like Crohn's disease and um, irritable bowel syndrome, where it is just chronically uh, plagued by this. Uh, those yeah, are, yeah, you told uh, me about that. Yeah. yeah, those are monoclonal antibodies. You see it advertised on television all the time. And the way to recognize a monoclonal antibody is the name ends the um, generic name ends in MAB, N-A-B for monoclonal antibody. But you'll be impressed at how often we use this strategy. So it's it's really got everybody's. Well, I shouldn't say everybody, but uh, at least it's something that looks good. Gave us a yeah, positive it's promising. result. It's promising. Well, and the other thing is that now that we know that it can bring back people from near death, maybe the thing to do is when folks are hospitalized, is give that, that the serum right now. Give them the yeah. plasma right now. And prevent them from having to go to a ventilator stage. So, yeah, yeah they're doing that. That's a, one thing. There's, a, there's another oldie idea out there, and that is uh, a TB vaccine, tuberculosis vaccine, mm-hmm. that they call yep. BCG, which is yeah. basically um, in honor of the people that found it. What people have noticed is with BCG, it kind of ramps up the general immune system, gets it kind of angry, yeah. and it does yeah. sometimes protect against uh, an array of agents. And so they're trying to think, wow, about, nice. you know, maybe we could we could use that to to kind of boost you before this thing finds you. Uh, but that has to be looked at. Right. So, Again, anyway, there are some. The problem is that like that would be awesome, but it's already found a whole shitload of people, and it's still on the loose finding more people and I can't get out of the store tomorrow and get this TV thing. So no, uh, no, the time, no. time is not on our side. That's the, I hate to be the negative Nancy of this. Now, what about the caller's other question about some arthritis drug that he couldn't say the name of? Did you understand any yeah. of that? Okay, good. I don't know. I, I know that, that lots of, uh, of candidates uh, leads are being looked at. And I hadn't seen that one uh, about an anti-arthritis agent in particular, uh, but probably, you know, if, they yeah. have, if it has any kind of reasonable hope, they'll give it a try. Uh, I should see if I can find that because now I'm curious about it. But um, uh, anyway, there are, yeah, there are things going on. Uh, people are even trying to uh, use stem cells and get those guys all charged up and then put them back into the body. Uh, natural killer cells is what they're they're yeah. going for to try to to fight this off at the cellular level. So, uh, you know, I mean, we've got Moderna trying a messenger RNA approach. We've got several different things happening. Uh, we, we won't be yeah. totally, uh, I guess, helpless forever. But for now, social distancing, break the chain. Yeah, we really need to do that. I've been drinking a can of Dr Pepper every night, so if uh. Do so you think that works? So far, it's worked, right? So, so far, so far, so good. So far, okay. so good. <laughs> so you may be onto something. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's hard to see into the future. We're at the end of the, you know, we got about fifteen minutes left. Um, so. I don't want to necessarily commit to doing another show next week. I feel like I'll probably want to. Maybe maybe we'll take it to five shows and take a break and maybe intersperse some paranormal stuff because maybe people want a little change of pace. Um, but we'll see. 
I figure Tyler says he's down for anything, right? Yeah. Yeah, you just uh, – I'm not going anywhere. So. Yeah, and this is like 6 there o'clock at it. night for you or 8 o'clock or whatever by the yeah. time we finish. So you're – you know, it's not like it's eating into your night. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. We'll see because going into tonight's show, we're going to break the fourth wall a little bit. It was like we, you and I talked about this before on email or whatever, but it's just becoming – it's it's a little bit of it's kind of a drag, man. <laughs> I think everybody everybody yeah. feels that. This is a this is a drag. But there's a part of me too that's like thinking to myself, we may need I just may need to I may need to be there next Friday night, you know. Um, okay. Because this is going to be an awful awful week, I think. And maybe people will need. If anything, I, I hope I hope tonight we were a little more lighthearted. At least I was. I tried I tried to. I tried to uh, tried to loosen up a little bit for the people listening at home, a little less dire than when I talk pri- privately to people when I'm like, oh, we're really fucked, man. Um, it's impossible to say, well, here's a ray of sunshine I wanted to mention. The And I this was like a couple of days ago. I haven't heard anything to contradict it. Um, let me see if I can get a visualized graph on here. But my understanding was that Italy looks like it hit the curve. Uh, have you yes. do you know anything about that? Do you have any insights yes. on that? It it does indeed, uh, in terms of deaths anyway. It looks like it, they're maybe on the downward uh, slide now, uh, which is kind of what the models have been predicting, that, that we'll see a peak and then a relatively fast decline. Uh, well, remember, they've done uh, much stricter uh, social isolation controls uh, enforced by uh, uh, law enforcement. So... Uh, you know, I mean, we may be seeing finally the fruits of that. It, it will take time for those efforts to uh, to to have effect. But yeah, maybe we're we're hoping we're hoping that it holds. Uh, the limited yeah, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, yeah. With diagnosis, you're always limited by diagnosis, and uh, but deaths are a pretty good indicator of uh, assuming that we get those reported promptly of where we are in this process. And that, yeah. that's, that's what you follow now because the remember the total diagnosis by testing is um, not showing us the full scope of the problem. And, and what yeah. we really worry about is the fatal cases and hospitalizations. So, but yes, it does, it does look like they have uh, maybe come out of the, the deep woods. Now that said, you also have to remember they're in for a long haul of, of decay of deaths. And there's going to be a lot, of um, mayhem yet to come, we have to hope and pray that the medical professionals themselves don't get heavily um, sick by running out of equipment, uh, but also don't become exhausted. And if you can imagine what it must be like to just work under these circumstances, you know, we're burned out, we're tired of it. Think what those people are going through with the additional worry of bringing it home with them. So yeah. uh, that sort of stress will, will take a toll. And we, we hope that, that these people can hold up. So that's so all we can do is hope. Absolutely, yeah. There are going to be a lot of people after this that are going to be really scarred uh, with PTSD. Um, I feel like the whole, you know, the folks on the front lines, of course, to a terrible degree, 
But it's almost like the whole nation's going to have this PTSD after this. I don't think people are starting to kind of say that there'll be no, you know, we can't go back to normal. There is no, we can't go back to, unless you go to the gas station by my house, you you cannot go back to normal. Uh Maybe those plexiglass barriers protecting the kid at the gas at the grocery store maybe they're maybe they're forever now. Um, yes. We may have to keep. I mean, I hope that's not the case, but the social distancing thing is so a- a- anathematic. I don't know if that's even the right word, but you know, to the human condition, that uh, you know, it's worrisome. So you hope that we can kind of get back to a time when you can go up to a girl at a bar and buy her a drink without violating eight different uh, social constructs here. Or even just, yeah, even just to see somebody and shake their hand. It's like, it's, it's madness. Are we all going to keep away from each other forever or (sighs) that's, that's frightening almost. No, for the, for the near term. And by that, I mean, for the, summer season into fall, uh, we'll probably have our guard up uh, with good reason. Uh, we have to be yeah. alert for the, a rebound. And, uh, you know, I think we were talking earlier, uh, but, uh, again, this we're not safe anywhere until this virus is under control everywhere. Right. And so we're just going to have to get ready for it. It could come back and, and get the fire brigade out quicker this time. You know, yeah. learn from experience, as you said, and um, go forward. But, yeah, socially, I, it, it's going to be awkward for a while, Tim. Um, maybe one day yeah, we'll all get our antibody yeah. tests and we'll have a, a little certificate of, of uh, you know, uh, immunity, and you can you can show that to somebody at the bar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it'll always be – I think this will be like the boogeyman effect – where it'll always be like, well, you never know what'll what could come. I think we'll always be weary for a generation, at least, you know, of uh, of whatever another thing. This could happen again. Another another pandemic yeah. could happen. So we we have to be very and and again, maybe that's not a bad idea. Maybe if we had been on our guard that much going into this, uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been so bad. But I think what's really really for me. Go ahead, go ahead, Tyler. No, it's really difficult to to know uh, that if if we had been uh, more alert, that it could have really changed um, the the pandemic. I don't think we could have stopped the pandemic. We might have been able to um, be more aggressive and recognizing, yeah. like, oh my God, this is a beast. We gotta we gotta do social distancing right now, and uh, yeah. uh, possibly possibly that we would have done better. But the most frustrating thing will unlikely, uh, though it is, well, I shouldn't say unlikely. The most frustrating thing will be that we have another pandemic with the same goddamn agent. And that can happen if we uh, have a, allow it to rebound and we're not diligent about how to. What do you mean, the same agent? Like just, just, just the coronavirus would rebloom, if you will? Yes. And, and so if we're not careful, uh, if we um, let people go back to, to normal, uh, too quickly, or we're not alert to uh, sudden surges of cases and not reacting to them properly. I mean, nobody's going to want to put social distancing back in place once we take it down, but that might be yeah. exactly what we have to do. 
And if we don't, it, and let time pass again, we're going to be sorry again. Yeah, so, that's the that's what yeah. I've heard too. That like that we'll, we'll go down from the curve and they'll loosen the restrictions and then they'll have to tighten them back up again because it'll pop back up a little bit smaller. But or, well, or what, you know, and, heard, and God willing, you know. Yeah, I mean, we we want the we need we need the the relaxation to to happen. You know, I mean. We can't sit there with people unemployed like this for uh, forever. Forever. At some point, we've no, got to come no, back to work. Uh, yeah. But what I understand is that, um, and again, reticent to accept everything that comes out of China, is that one of their problems is reimportation. Got it under control, yeah. locked up the country, and I mean they locked up the country. It was more than one province and one big city. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, and what happened? People traveling in from outside bring it right back in, and there you are. It, you know, the spark starts another forest fire, and that yeah. that can be us very quickly. It's not we're not safe until it is controlled everywhere. Yeah. So. Well, we um, I'll, 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 I I made a couple of points here before we wrap it up. I the the thing about going up to a girl and buying her a drink at the bar is sort of a in comparison to, in a sense, where it's like it really hit me where you don't – the social distancing thing is just so um, foreign in a way. Like you don't realize until you've seen it in action uh, by the third week here or so that, that this, the people are just naturally congregate and, and, and to live in a world where you know, they don't have audiences for TV shows. Or they don't have sporting events because of the, you know what I mean? It's like the, without that gathering, yeah. without the gathering of people, it's it's a very lonely existence. Everybody's alone, you know. Yeah. It's very depressing. People uh, acknowledge that, accept it, realize that someday we'll all gather again, and and it'll be okay. Hopefully, uh, this can't last forever. And and. Uh, you know, hold on to that, because to me, that gets me down. You know, I'm a big sports fan. Uh, I watch a lot of TV, so uh, the lack of, of crowds has been noticeable to me. And and, and uh, even, like, newscasters, they have to sit, like, super far apart, or uh, they, they do the show from their home basement. Everyone's, <laughs> everyone's trying to copy but all, Tyler. They're all doing their show from their basement studio, it's like, come on, man! I've been doing this for like 15 years. Get get out of get out of my way. <laughs> well, yeah. So you're a pioneer. Yeah. <laughs> so, I I agree, and, and people are going to be really fed up with this, you know, in a few more weeks, and we might not be done. Yeah. Yeah. People so, are going to tensions are going to be raised. That's for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Everybody will want to let let the standards be relaxed and. The pressure is going to be immense, immense on our leaders to, to do just yeah. that. And hopefully they won't get too over-anxious. It's one of those things that, that we need to do it long enough to break the chain of transmission to make sure it's really broken. Right, exactly. That's that's the that's what I worry about, too, that we're going to get to the point where uh, we're an impatient people, Americans. So yeah. I think that we'll – 
Uh, you can already kind of see it now here at the end of like what would be like the first week. I don't even know. It's hard to keep track of like I'm on my I'm about to start like my fourth week of home quarantine here. So uh, I haven't gone completely insane or anything like that, but it, it is it is getting irritating. I can only imagine what less. And I'm used to working from home, so I'm I'm fairly used to this lifestyle. I can only imagine what people who are social creatures are experiencing. Um, I'm sure they're very frustrated, but we have to we have to hold tight here. We have to we have to hold tight as long as we can. The other thing I was going to mention before we go: Do you watch a lot of TV? Yes. Okay. Have you noticed this? This is like my super super minor banal pandemic pet peeve. Um, and I, I think I, I didn't say this to you, but I was sort of musing about it, uh, when all this started really in earnest, uh, at the beginning of March, uh, all the commercials were like the same. They were just as they had always been, and I'm like, oh, pretty soon you'll start seeing the, the coronavirus commercials. And now if you watch anything like in prime time, uh, on any of the channels, really, the main times when they put on the main commercials, you know, NBC Nightly News or whatever, or the primetime shows on all the networks, all of the commercials have turned into these super depressing coronavirus-era commercials. Have you noticed this? Not, not particularly, no. You got Pay attention to the commercials. Trust me, they're they're it's so depressing. The show will go to commercial, and then there'll be like this sad music, and it'll be like we know that you're having a hard time, and we're with you every step of the way here at Toyota. And it's like if you have trouble paying your thing, call Toyota. It's like that, and then the next commercial will be like, the next commercial will be like uh, you know for Red Robin. And they'll be like, we know you're stuck at home, but here's how to eat our burgers. And <laughs> that's like, and yeah. it just everything has trans, transformed over into this, into this quarantine world. You can't, you can't escape it. So at times I, I do, we, we talked about this before the show, where it's like, well, I, maybe, maybe the Banal of America listeners, uh, maybe they don't want to hear any more coronavirus stuff, but this is essentially my therapy session for the week on on all this, and hopefully, uh, I know, I know a few thousand of them uh, have enjoyed the ride, so uh, we'll we'll be here next week, because okay. I think we're going to go through a really tough week, and I don't think it would be fair, uh, we've come this far. We have we have to stick it out through the through this. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'd feel okay. I feel bad if we just vanished here um, after what I, I think is going to be a really tough week. So we'll be back next week. I'll try and be uh, I'll try I'll try and be as affable as I was this week, but uh, that I may not be able to, um, but due to various circumstances. But uh, we'll we'll be back next week. And folks, just uh, hang in there, man. We're we're going to get through this. This isn't going to last forever. Um, it's it's gotten it's gotten pretty bad. It's gotten pretty bad, and uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't I mean when we first met or talked four weeks ago and started this conversation, I I had a feeling it was going to be bad, but I think like part of me was like I've spent my whole adult life or a good portion of it listening to this rhetoric. 
and and this end of the world stuff. And it's like it never it never is as bad as they say it is, but so far it's been worse. So, uh, like I said, I, I wouldn't feel right bailing now. So we'll we'll come back next week and we'll try and lift people's spirits after what's going to be a very tough week. Um, so, so now that I've talked to you for like four weeks, do I get some kind of course credit or anything for yeah, your work? Absolutely. Yeah, you get a, a certificate of achievement. Oh, good. I was gonna I was gonna uh, offer, if need be, to make one of those volcanoes. You know, I can make a volcano with the vinegar and the baking soda. So if that would help, wow, this is a final example. Man of many talents. <laughs> yes, I can pour. I can pour. That is, that is indeed my God-given gift. All right, Tyler. Well, thank you so much, sir. I really do appreciate it. I've kind of, I've kind of made it a thing where we don't. I have a habit of going way past the the markers. So. uh I've tried not to do that here with our coronavirus conversations um, that we've had. So I will talk to you next week, man. Stay safe. Be safe. If I was a betting man, I guarantee, I can almost guarantee you I will, I will still be in the same. I will, I will not move out of this house for the next week. I've got all the provisions I need uh, for the next three weeks. So uh, hopefully I'll be, I'll be, I'll be ready, uh, ready to go next uh, Friday night. So uh, well, I can't thank you enough for, for being a part of this, brother. Okay, stay out of the gas station, though. That sounds dangerous. Oh, no, I might write to the – I was thinking, like, as I was ranting about that tonight on the show, like, I should write to the company that owns that gas station and be like, do you know what you're doing? Like, for real? Can you do, can you do something about that? But yeah. who knows? Maybe I will. Maybe I will, and I'll, I'll report back next week on what happens when I contact well, the gas station is, company. Uh, this is the social shaming part. I had a Amazon delivery. You know, I came up in their kind of gray truck, and yeah. uh, was a young woman, and I didn't, I did not pay any attention as, as to whether she had gloves on or not. But I'm sure those people are just being run ragged right now, and hopefully yeah. they'll be okay. You know, so I, I wipe off my packages when they come. So I think no, uh, that's a good idea. You should, you yeah. should do that, or leave them in the, if you have a garage. You know, leave them in the garage for a day. Uh, the cardboard that's what I was, yeah you can leave shit that, outside for a couple of days that'll that'll clean it off right that will definitely help uh, so uh, yeah. but again you know always with, with food you know clean it yeah. uh, put maybe have a an area that you've already pre-sterilized and wash the fruits and anything that's been handled and put that into the sterile area and, yeah and I've seen the, uh, uh, the videos for that yeah 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 that's, that's a really good set of ideas to Make sure that you give yourself the maximum chance of avoiding this thing because yeah. it's, it's sneaky. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, like I said, I think I said this to you where it's like, I don't know if I said it on the show or not at this point. We've talked so much, but, uh, yeah, there's a part of me that's like, if I get this, yeah, I said that. If I, if I end up getting this, I'm going to be so pissed because I've done everything, damn near everything I could possibly can to avoid this. Short, short of that yeah. horrifying gas station visit, and I was – I was practically in a bubble there, so I'd like to think that uh, nothing went wrong there. But you know, that would be that would be the banal way. He died because he had to get that bag of combos. It turned out it was on the bag of combos that he bought. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Well, the the main thing is that that you have a, a perspective on, on what you need. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hey, if it's the end of the world, I ain't going without my combos. But (laughs) all right. On that note, thank you very much, Tyler. Uh, thank you all to the folks who were listening, and uh, we'll we'll catch you next week. Hang tough, gird your loins, stay safe. Um, we're gonna get through this, and we're all in this together. Until next week, this is Tim and all with Tyler Coke John signing off. Bye.